everyone. Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I hope you all had a lovely holiday and a great Thanksgiving and stuff yourself silly. Uh, I spent my time on Fort Myers Beach with some friends, so that was nice. Before we get started with the first of today's shows, I want to just announce a few books that have been released this week. I will be announcing more as the week goes on. I have seven shows this week. So first I want to tell you about J.R. Backlund, who will be on the show later. Down the Broken Road is his new book. Um, So I, I wanted you to hear about that. My friend Joe Clifford also released The One That Got Away. Josh Pachter released The Man Who Read Mysteries, or Who Reads Mysteries. I can't remember if I got that right or wrong. Josh, you can call me and yell at me. My friend Travis Richardson released Bloodshot and Bruised. I love that title, and the cover is great. And Deborah Webb released Ryan. There is also a new book out that has been out for about a month now, a little over a month, um, The Three Bests by Jeff Abbott. Um, Many of you might remember that last year, Jeff won our network book of the year for his thriller called Blame. His new book is called The Three Baths, and I'm proud to welcome back international best-selling author and multiple award winner, Jeff Abbott. Hi, Jeff. Welcome back. Hi, Pam. Thanks for having me back. I love having you here. I love discussing your work. It's so much fun to read your books, and each and every one of them is so different, so different. Um, You know, at least since I've been reading your work, which has been a while now. Um, The Three Bests is a very unusual story. Uh, It is is quite different, different from anything I've ever read. You have a um, a young woman whose mother's been missing, an unexplained disappearance, and thinks she sees her in a mall, and thus begins a quest to find out what happened to her mother. It is such an unusual story because um, you don't often hear of a daughter searching for a mom, and never mind the scary coincidences that occur in this book. Will you share a little bit more about this with our listeners? Well, sure. Um, the, the book came about, sometimes people ask me, you know, where do you get your ideas or do they come all in one fell swoop? Mm-hmm. And I tend to think of them as small Lego blocks. Um, and there might be a, a one part of an idea that's in one Lego block and another part of an idea that's in another Lego block. And it's only when they snap together that it starts to feel like an idea for a book. So the three bets came out of sort of two, two small Lego blocks that snapped together. The first one was um, you sometimes read about these true crime stories of, of real life, disappearances where someone has gone missing and the police have come to the conclusion that a family member was involved or a loved one was involved but they can't prove anything and so the 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 case enters a kind of limbo and in in this case um with the characters in the book 
Beth Dunning, Mariah Dunning's mother, has vanished about a year ago. And she, this has really undone Mariah. Mariah is a young woman. She's about 22. She's a recent college graduate in computer science from the University of Texas. And, you know, sort of her, the suburb she lives in, Lake Haven, which was the same suburb that I wrote about in Blaine, Mm -hmm. has sort of decided that her father had something to do with this. And so he's been ostracized and shunned and presumed guilty. And, you know, I would read about these kinds of cases where they would suspect someone strongly, but just not have the evidence to try to arrest them. And I thought, what is it like to live in that house? And what would it be like for an adult child of of these two parents who loved and, and was loyal to her mother but also loves and is loyal to her father and just believes in her heart of hearts. There's no way that her father could have harmed her mother. What would that be like for her? How would that wear on her? And when she, when she sees her mother in the mall, which with the food court in the mall is the place that they used to go together. um, It sort of sends her on this, trajectory of she just has to prove that her father could not have had anything to do with this. Then the other Lego block that I sort of mentioned is, is one time I was on Facebook where I know you are active as well. And uh, I was, I was looking for someone I had gone to school with and I had the unusual experience of typing in their relatively common first name and I got back a whole bunch of, I'll just say it was Beth. I got back a whole bunch of Beths, and I thought, wow, if I ever needed to find a group of Beths, this is how I could do it. And this would also be true <laughs> for the name Sam or the name Jeff right. or right. Michelle or Scott or what have you. And I thought, right. you know, that's kind of interesting, the way that we all put ourselves out there sort of to be discovered. And I thought, what if you had a crime that centered somehow around people who had similar names? And I had no idea. It was just this little little bit of grit in, in the oyster of my brain uh, mm-hmm. that, that sort of grew, and then it sort of snapped together with this other idea about what is the effect of a missing person on a family. So uh, shortly after, after Mariah has believed that she's seen her mother in this, food court, she talks with a high school friend who um, is a hipster true crime podcaster uh, who calls himself Reveal, and he's always looking for sort of the hot, edgy take on true crime stories, and he, and he, and he mentions that there has been uh, another Beth who disappeared from near Lake Haven six months after her mother vanished. And Mariah is so desperate she seizes on this that maybe this is the thread that will prove her father innocent. But uh, Reveal warns her. He said, you know, you could be investigating something worse than what happened to your mother. And, of course, all, all, all sorts of bad things begin to befall her as she begins to investigate this, uh, the disappearance of this second Beth. So um, it's, you know, it's a novel about identity. It's a novel about choices that we make. It's a novel about how we deal with guilt and grief. And um, 
you know, I wrote it during a difficult time in my life, and I, I don't know if that made it better or worse, <laughs> but um, it certainly made it more thoughtful, I think, for me in some ways. I, so I'm making notes as you're talking because you, the first thing, you know, is, of course, seeing the ghost in the food court. Um, I, uh, many, many years ago, I lost my youngest brother to leukemia, and I remember a year later I was in Disney World in Orlando because I live in Florida, and I swear to you, I saw my brother walking and I was, it was a madhouse, as Disney World always is. And I remember chasing through the crowd, because my brother was very tall. He was almost six foot eight. And I remember chasing through the crowd thinking, but I saw him die. You know, that can't be him. <clears throat> they say we all have twins. So it struck me, I think that was the grab for me in the ver- right away when she thinks she saw her mom. And th- then you were talking about, looking somebody up on the internet, you you know, or on Facebook and finding similar names. So I have a not real common name. It's not like John Smith or Mary Smith or anything, but I do have, um, there is another Pam Stack from Miami where I was born and raised who we used to get each other's email, regular Mm. mail. (laughs) And one time a, process server served her with papers i sat i sat on a county board for a domestic violence county board and um an agency was trying to sue the board it was a governmental board and so she got served with the papers and i never did and i was thinking we used to talk to each other on the phone she only lived (laughs) probably five minutes from me so it's so funny how those things are common occurrences i would never have put them together in a book ever. It just never would have occurred to me more than that. Those, those things that struck me as interesting is the way we view our family through multiple lenses. When we're have that big question in front of us, you know, was her father responsible? How can that be? You know, I, I, I was thinking, I, I, as you were talking, I was thinking back on how I viewed my parents when they were alive and, what I would have thought about something like that. I mean, my parents were honorable people and thank God neither one of them went missing and no one was ever blamed or anything like that. But this really is very much about family as well. Is that, do you think yeah. that's right? Yeah. I, I think that's, I mean, I've, I've, I've always, whether I was writing suspense thrillers or whether I was writing traditional mysteries i think family has always been something very central to my books um i'm kind of fascinated with families um and what all their dynamic can be and you know we feel like these are the people we know best in the world yet there's always that question especially in a psychological thriller do we really know what another human being is capable of exactly and and sometimes we don't we don't know what You're they're right. capable of. You're right. Um, we know them. We know them in the context of everyday <laughs> life. What happens when those boundaries around them are shattered or broken by some outside force, by something that they do? I mean, it can be a variety of things. But that's what she finds 
Mariah finds herself wondering is who is who is the man that I am living with that I've adored my whole life is my dad is he you know people think he did this could he have done it I know he couldn't have done it but there's always this you know there's there's some moments in the book where she doubts him and she forces it she forces herself to push the thought away but that doubt is there it's it keeps creeping in um, because, you know, her mother is gone and there would be no reason that her mother would leave her. So, It's a fascinating character study. It really is. And never mind that it's a, it's such a tightly wound mystery and suspense. I, I mean, I was on the edge of, you know, I read pretty fast and I'll, I, I wanted to slow down on this because it's a really lot of twists and turns in this one that I wasn't anticipating. So I, I read very carefully because I have a tendency to kind of blow through a book and I get the gist of it and I can enjoy it just as much. But, you know, there's something about your writing style. I did the same thing with Blame last year. Um, I, I just enjoyed it so much and I kept flipping back to the pages to reread something kind of to solidify maybe a scene or something somebody said to see if I could figure it out. I never can figure it out in your books, Jeff. You have to know that. Well, some some of them are pretty so obvious, but, but I guess you're it's very, because very I. Kind. I well, I, I um, think it's because I'm I'm, you know, I always anticipate something very different from you. Um, you are quite a prolific writer. How many books do you have under your belt now? I think it's nineteen now. Wow. Um, yeah. You also you have <laughs> I'm wow. I'm as surprised as you are. <laughs> Jeez, uh, you know, really, <laughs> that's amazing to me. Um, and yet, not all of your books are standalone. However, um, you have some really great series books. Um, I mean, book number five in Sam Capra was just two years ago. So, yeah. um, but you. And you wrote right in a row all the Sam Kappa books. Are you tired <laughs> of doing series? Do you want to go back to to pick up where you've left off, maybe with Wit or or I, Sam? I very much want to do another Sam book. Um, uh, I think my publisher is very interested in me writing these psychological suspense novels, but mm. um, I feel, I mean. I hear from people every week, you know, when will there be another Sam book? I want right. to be really thoughtful about the next Sam book. Um, I could see myself maybe taking a jump forward in time with him to where his son is older and, and more of a character in the book with rather than being a toddler. Um, right. Because actually, if you look at the timing of the first five Sam books, they happened in the space of about a two-year period. Um, right. They happened very quickly, um, so I, I I think that maybe we would move forward in Sam's life, um, but I want to get it really really right before I start to write it. But I absolutely want to write another Sam Moth novel. The Sam Capra is seems to be your reader fan favorite. Um, judging by what everybody says about it, they love this book. This character so so much um what do you think the appeal is um i think in some ways he was 
different than a lot of the other male suspense heroes that were out there, um, mm. especially those with a CIA or, or government operations kind of background. You know, right. I, I think my all-time favorite review or, or, or comparison that was made for him is when someone said he's Jason Bourne with a baby Bjorn, um, <laughs> uh, which always makes me laugh. Um, because, That's you know, good. central from the first page of the book is that, that his being a father is, is a central thing to his life. He has a family. He has, um, you know, the first two books deal with him searching for his missing wife and child. So, um, and, and then in the later books, we're dealing with the loss of his brother that affected his life. We're dealing with his relationship with his parents. You know, there was always a family, like I said before, about family-centric things being yes. part of it. He's dealing with these large international stakes, you know, these large international crimes, but then he was also having to deal with family issues. And and I think Sam was younger than a lot of the other um, heroes in in Adrenaline. He's 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 25. And yeah, a lot guy. of fiction, you would have these characters who had were more experienced, who were more settled in their skin. And Sam is still growing up, I think. Um, and he had to grow up very quickly, but. Um, you know, I think from Hollywood's viewpoint, that makes them harder to cast because they tend to want, for for an action franchise, they tend to want a more established actor, and those tend to be in their 30s and 40s, and you know, not so much in their 20s. So, um, but I, th- th- if anyone responds to Sam and Mila and the the characters in those books, I'm always just so so touched and honored, you know, that if they enjoy them. So. Well, I want to just point out that the the last minute was the winner of the International Thriller Award, along with several others of your books that you've won awards for. I mean, it's really important to mention how how critically acclaimed all your work is. Um, you've you've won, you know, the Anthony, the McCavity, you know, final final. Uh, you know, nominee, three-time nominee for the Edgar and um, several times for the Thriller. And you've, you've just won tons of accolades. And yet, even with 19 books, this hasn't really been your whole life. You've been doing other things besides before you started writing, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, I worked uh, I worked in the software business for a long time, which is unusual when you're an English major. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you English and history, um, right? If I recall, English and history double major. That's correct. Yeah. You have a great memory. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Neither neither degree equipped me for working in software, but there I was. Um, and then I was a creative director at an advertising agency for a long time, and you know, so uh, I I I sort of invented a career path for myself. <laughs> When did you know that you wanted to write, though, Jeff? Because um, the the English and the history, absolutely, I could see creating a writer out of you. But software development, I can't, except that you've probably (laughs) got a a really great functioning left and right brain. I do not. I am the biggest tech twit known to man. 
But um, and then you were often advertising, you know, which is creative also. Did you always have a book inside of you cl- trying to claw its way out? Oh yeah, I I I I used to tell. I I got in trouble in second grade because when we would do show and tell, I wouldn't bring something to show and tell, but I would tell. I would have a story, and I would in, I, that I just would make up. You know, and <laughs> on like I had gone to Montana with cowboys over the weekend when we weren't in school, and but I would end the story with a cliffhanger, and then the class would not settle back down <laughs> because they wanted to know what happened. What happened? And so yeah. my teacher. Sometimes I didn't know what happened next, but I knew you had to end on a cliffhanger, just like you know on Gunsmoke before they went to a commercial. Um, right. So my 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 teacher called my parents in, and and said I think you should get him a big chief tablet and a husky pencil. Now that we've learned how to write, and and he should write these stories down. Um, and well, that, thank then God that she was encouraging though. A story to show and tell, then he can do that. But it has to have an ending. So, so that's what they did. They got a big chief tablet, and I, I wrote, you know, down every story that I could think of, and my mom still has that. So, does she really? How wonderful! Yep. That's terrific. Um, were you, you're, when you were growing up, when you were that age, did you come from a family of readers? Yeah, my grandmother taught second grade. For nearly 40 years um, in a small East Texas town. And when she died, I, I remember the whole town shut down except for the post office and the bank, which were required by federal law to stay open. But they had basically the entire town was at her funeral. And I remember the minister asked, how many of y'all did she teach to read? And so many hundreds of hands went up. Wow. So she she taught me to read at an early age when I was about four, um, and she had one of those giant books back from the day when they would put a big book on an easel because they didn't have the money for every kid to have their own textbook. And it mm-hmm. was a Dick and Jane, and she taught me to read sure. using that Dick and Jane book. And she always gave me books. She read widely. Um she read romance novels. She read historical novels. She read mysteries. She just loved to read for pleasure. Um, and so, um, and she would get me any book that I wanted, you know. She, she would always take me, take me to the library. She would never tell me, no, that's too advanced for you to read, um, you know. And, and so she was just always very, very, very encouraging to me. What a great memory of of learning to read, and it's so clear in your mind. Um, I have no idea how I started reading, but I know I've I've loved books all my life, and I know it was because mm-hmm. of my mom. My mom used to get yeah. those Reader's Digest abridged books where they'd have like yeah. five books in one, you know. And yeah. I was I loved reading those things, and yeah. um, that's how I my started. So. Yeah. Uh, although, yeah. you know, I never had a desire to write. Listen, uh, you know, Jeff, I say this often. 
I'm lucky if I get out the front door with my dress the right side in, you know, so I, I'm not, a, I'm not a writer at all. I can barely get an email out that makes sense or that isn't full of typos and, and, you know, and bad, even though I was a journalism and English major. Uh, so, but um, yeah, you've, you've really found your niche. Um, now I asked you, had you finished touring when we were in the green room? You finished your book tour. I missed you when you were over in Miami, as you know, and I apologize for that, but because you don't come down this way very often, but um, uh, you are already working on your next book, correct? Yes. Uh-huh. And um, will this be another standalone? Yes. It will be another standalone set in Lake Haven. Um, about a what happens in a family when one of them discovers the body of a murder victim. Ugh, so I can't even imagine. Uh, more dealing with, but my last two books sort of dealt with two younger female protagonists. The really the protagonist in this story, this entire family, a mom and a dad, and two teenage, uh, a teenage boy and a teenage girl. Um, so it's a little bit different for me, um, but I'm I'm really excited about the book. Do you like writing in multiple points of view? Yeah, I do. Um, I actually had a struggle with the three best because when I started writing it, all the scenes were from Mariah's point of view. Yes. And I had gotten about 100 pages in, and I just felt like something was missing. And I realized that what was missing was the viewpoint of her father, of course, had been accused of all this, and, and was the other party living in the house dealing with all this, you know, uncertainty. Um, so I started writing some scenes from his viewpoint, and it really just lifted up the book. Um and, and that was that was what I was missing. Do you prefer writing in third person, or do you like write changing it up and writing in first person? There's a lot of debate about books written that way, isn't there? Yeah, um, I like writing in third. Um, I've written in first. I've written several books in first, but I do like writing in third. You get to you get to be a little more omniscient. Um, you know the trade-off is you have the omniscience, you can and you can go to other points of view, but writing right. in first has an immediacy, um, and you know we live in a highly distractible world, and so I understand why a lot of writers embrace the immediacy of first person. You know if they think it will help hold a reader's attention, um, but you know it, it, I think you really have to do whatever you feel the story requires. What is right, dictates. Yeah, I find um, reading in first person present is a very difficult way to read books. Um, mm-hmm. I I have read some very well written books that way, first person past. I can get that makes sense to me. If you, but you know, mm-hmm. you have so many questions. Then as a reader, it's very suspenseful because you want to mm-hmm. know what the other people are thinking. And of course, I think mm-hmm. most people are used to reading in in um, third person, which is fine. Um, tell me, when you have downtime, what do you like to do? <laughs> um, 
have not you, had a you, lot of that. You, you so, chuckle, yeah, Jeff, I like do. most writers do. You <laughs> chuckle and say, what the hell is downtime? You know? Yeah. I know this now, has been a really been, tough year for you. This this past year really was a bad one for you with the fire yeah. and everything else. But yeah, um, our house, your, your house burned down, right? Our house burned down and we've rebuilt it and now we're back in it. We actually moved in halfway through the three best tour. I was home for oh, two boy. days and that was when we moved back into the house. And then after that was when I went to Florida the next day. So wow. it was weird to be back. House and then I had to leave immediately, but that was how it worked out. It was all fine. Um, now, when I have downtime, I like to read. Um, I like to watch movies. Um, I like to watch old movies. Um, like what? Uh, what I, kind of old movies? Oh, like uh, you know, Kind Hearts and Coronets, or North by Northwest. Um, ah, um, okay. You know, I like. Al- I like old movies from the 40s. Uh, I like to watch TCM, whatever they've got on. Um, right. Uh, I like to travel. Um, I'm hoping my family and I will get to take a, a trip soon now that our lives are a little more settled down. Um, sure. But, um, yeah, I, but, yeah, I kind of want to be a homebody for a little bit uh, just because we're bet. so glad to be back home. But, um, sure. Yeah. Especially with the holidays sports. coming up. When, with the holidays yeah. coming, if you want to kind of be kind of embedded in your home for a while, whose book is right. on your nightstand? Right now, I'm reading a book about writing. Um, really? By Philip, by Philip Pullman, who wrote um, The Golden Compass, which mm-hmm. is a very, uh, I'm sure your listeners have heard of it, a very highly regarded <laughs> fantasy novel. Well, um, the movie was with my favorite actor, Sam Elliott, so, you know. Yes, there you go. Of course go. I know. <laughs> he, he, has, he, has, uh, he has done a book of his lectures and wow. articles that in the, over the past 20 years that he's done called writing called Demon Voices on Stories and Storytelling. And so there are chapters in there like how John Milton's Paradise Lost directly affected um, his books in the Golden Compass trilogy. I guess it's actually called his Dark Materials trilogy because um, uh, uh, the quote, his Dark Materials comes from Paradise Lost. How he was, how his whole conception of the book was changed by an essay that he happened to read in the New Yorker magazine when he was first wow. sketching out the book. So it's a lot about his process and how you think about writing and it's very specific to what his work was, but also sometimes when you make something that specific, it makes it more universal because people can say, you know, oh, okay, here's where I was struggling with this, you know, what was a recurrent theme in my book? How could I express that? Here's how I was struggling to how much of the world of the story do I show? You know, if I go too broadly, do I lose the reader's interest? Um, yeah, you know, you have to point. focus on a group of characters. So um, it's 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 a really good. It's a very different book from, say, like Stephen King's on writing, but sure. it's a very inspiring book. Um, oh, to, good. to think of of what he and it's lectured. You know, so it has the the chapters are shorter because <laughs> he was up well, saying this good. in terms of 
group of people. So yeah. anyway, that's what I'm reading right now. If you're reading fiction, who who are you reading? Well, the next fiction book on my on my nightstand is Meg Gardner's uh, Into the Black Nowhere, which oh came out God. last year. And, She's so good. And she is really a wonderful writer. And I had I had the book survived the fire. Where I got the book after the fire, but then it got packed up in a box, and I didn't open that box until two weeks ago. So oh that boy. book is now sitting. Sitting, re- waiting for me to be ready to to read it, and I'm really looking forward to reading it. Meg's book, they Meg's books hold up well, so you you'll love it for sure. You know, I, I was crazy about Unsub, and so this is so so nice to read that one after it. It's a great book, and she's terrific. Oh. Too. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah it's a lot of she's, fun. She's a writer. Well, I want to thank you for taking time out of your very, very busy schedule to talk to me, Jeff. I'm thrilled to know you and your family are safe and back in your home and that you're able to celebrate the holidays there. Um, Thank you so much. Uh, Tell everyone where they can find you on the webs, please. Well, first of all, thank you for everything you do for authors, to connect authors and readers. It's amazing what you. you do. Thank you. Um, uh, Thank you. Well, it, you're just a wonderful person to do it. And for Thank you. Um, Thank you. Uh, people, people who are interested in my books can find me at jeffabbott.com. Um, okay. There's always information on my events and um, all my books, including links to excerpts, links to buy at your favorite independent bookstore, your favorite online bookstore, your favorite ebook store. Um, and all sorts of all sorts of goodies. It's a it's a really easy to navigate website and a lot of fun and you'll read a lot about Jeff. There's a lot of FAQs in there too, so by all means go. Jeff, happy holidays to you. I'm sure happy I will holidays. be talking to you about this time next year when the new book is out. And in the meantime, I think I'm gonna go back and read some of my Sam books in preparation for when you finally get another Sam six out there. Well, you're at Sam six and a half right now. I'm five and a half, right? Because you've got the novella. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So I'll be looking forward to have a wonderful holiday, and I'll speak to you in the new year. You too, Pam. Happy holidays. Take Thank care. you. Bye bye. And that's my show for now. I'll be back in in about thirty minutes with another great author from Monday. Thanks for being with me, and thank you, Mom and Dad. Thank you.